and we're going to start here in a minute. And when we start, we're going to be really smart and stuff. So when the show starts, don't be stupid like you usually are. This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? Jake, always good to smell you. It's Friday, right? Tuesday. March 29th, 2022. Um, there's seven hours of phone records missing from the White House. Yeah. Um, the good news is Donald Trump got a hole in one. How do we know? He sent out a press release on it. Did you see that? No. Um, Seriously. Chipotle's not killing you as much as Cava, Arby's, and Chick-fil-A. Are killing you. What did I tell you about Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Not to eat there. You're right. Right? Did I not tell you You that? You did. Did I tell you it was overrated? Yeah. I did, right? It's still pretty good, though. But I wouldn't eat there again. Because it's killing you. Yeah. It's not good. Wait until you hear this. It's really disappointing. Wait until you hear this fast food breaking news. Breaking your intestines. So, we'll talk about that. We've got to talk about Joe Buck bolting to Monday Night Football. I just like saying it that way. Yeah. But we can only do that after you hit subscribe on this here YouTube channel. Uh, Go ahead and give us a thumbs up, please. It really helps the channel grow. Hit subscribe. We are giving away a PlayStation 5 when we get to 5,000. And by the way, what about people liking it and giving away the shirts? Did we ever ever end up picking a winner? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, I announced it last week, and I ain't going back through my DMs. I ain't going back. I ain't going back. Um... But yeah, it, I mean, we can do that again. If you want to uh, give away a shirt, we'll give away a shirt today to one person who likes this video. That's all you have to do is do like it. it. Do now, it. if you're not subscribed, we're probably not going to give you the shirt. In fact, I can. It's a pretty simple process. Yeah, we're you know? not going to give you the shirt. You know, again. just subscribe because you're here already. And then if you like, you know. You know, that would help the video grow. Yeah. And stuff. Okay. Casual. All right. Um, make sure you shop our affiliate links in the description below. All of our favorite Amazon must-haves. Although I tried an Aloha bar for the first time yesterday. And how did it we really do? Good. It was good. I didn't know the peanut butter, your mama's snatch flavor stuff. Bag Snatchovich? Yeah, it was really good. Um, Speaking of Bag Snatchovich, hello to everybody listening on the audio podcast as well. Uh, The Utah Yaz are in Los Angeles to play the Clippers tonight. And this game is incredibly important for the Utah Jazz. And one of the interesting storylines that we talked about was Rudy Gobert not playing in the game in Dallas. And one of the things we talked about on the show yesterday is that there was considerable frustration amongst Rudy Gobert's teammates that he did not even attempt to play. Well, yesterday we did did some digging. And it turns out that's a very real thing. And we had sources in the Jazz tell us yesterday that there is considerable frustration with Rudy Gobert right now. And there is a, and I don't know the proper way to say it other than to say that Rudy Gobert is wearing out his welcome with his teammates. And we heard about this earlier this year. We talked about it earlier this season with 
the obsessive complaining with the officials, which I actually think has gotten a little better. Um, but everything seemed to calm down once Donovan Mitchell returned from his concussion. And it really became Donovan Mitchell's team at that point. Like it felt there was like a palatable shift right. in leadership on this Utah Jazz team from nobody to Donovan Mitchell. Well, I think that rubbed Rudy Gobert the wrong way from what I understand. And he has again started this narrative where Rudy Gobert is telling people that he needs to be the focal point of the offense or complaining about not getting the basketball, wanting there to be sets run for him where they throw him the ball in the post and he operates. The problem is his teammates don't believe that that's a positive or a net gain for the Utah Jazz. So they're hesitant to throw him the ball in the post. All of this creates friction. And then you have Sunday afternoon where all of a sudden Rudy Gobert is not able to play in that game in Dallas. And there was a lot of frustration amongst his teammates that Rudy didn't even try, try, try to play in the game. Right. That he simply sat out what this team had felt like was the biggest game of the year, a playoff game and a must win, which of course we now know the Utah Jazz went to Dallas and died, and they are only a half game up on Denver for the sixth spot now. So all of this to say, Jake, there's considerable friction within this team, and I think Rudy Gobert very clearly has positioned himself on a ledge that I don't know that he can get off of. Yeah, and I think that's because he wants it both ways, you know, meaning that he he wants to he wants to be able to sit out and 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 basically, in a sense, kind of throw a fit, if you will, because he's not getting the ball. But then on the other side of it, when he does get the ball, most times on the offensive end, that's going to turn into a turnover unless it's a lob. And so I think this dynamic at play is really interesting and fascinating to me because, you know, again, and I know this is a tired thing. I know this is kind of kicking a dead horse here. But when you're getting paid that money, you know, you, you, you have to have a complete game. So, like, when I look at the roster and you look at the dynamic between – Don and everybody else on the team and then Don and Rudy what's really interesting is I you know and this is just based on watching I mean I, I don't know how many games played they have now but like you know what 40 50 games at least more than that obviously you know whatever it is now having watched all those games and then playing together the one thing that's always really stood out to me you know and and this is this is not sourced information this is what happens on the floor what stands out to me is there's not a collaboration between these two. There's not a lot of that happening on the floor. And what I mean is, think about it. If these two really liked each other and they really enjoyed playing together and, 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 and they both got along and they were like this dynamic duo, you could get around Rudy's shortcomings as an offensive player by running sets to create lob situations or running more pick and roll between Donovan and Rudy. Because the truth is, Donovan and Rudy are your two best players, like it or not, right? Like, Rudy is one of the best players on the team, like it or not. So, if Don liked him and wanted to work with him more, there would be a lot more collaboration on the floor. So, that's the first thing that really stands out to me. But then, <clears throat> I start looking at, at this injury situation, or this alleged injury situation, where Rudy has sat out a game that he probably, you know, could have played, even if he was 70-80%. You know, to me, that's a, that's him kind of not being a team guy. And that's the thing that concerns me. You know, it's, it's one thing if you don't like each other, you know. 
Like, Kobe and Shaq didn't like each other for many years, you know, but they still play. They still find a way to win. And that's what's important, and that's what I think is going to lead to what I hope is not a tumultuous breakup, but, man, it's kind of starting to lean that way, in my opinion, based on what Rudy's doing, you know, this summer. It seems like this is going to be one of those situations where, you know, it's very much in the media. Once Rudy's gone, there's going to be some comments made. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It just doesn't – it has the rumblings of a not great departure from Salt Lake if if you're Rudy. So that's what I would be – that's what I'll be interested to see heading into the summer here. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, one of the other things that stands out to me is what you were talking about there. All of that to say, Rudy Gobert is important to this current roster. Yeah. And when teammates don't get along and when there's friction between teammates and when there are when there are issues like this, you don't win a whole lot of games. And this team with their starting five is pretty good. But when they don't have their starting five on the floor, they're not very good at all. They're they're a sub five hundred team that doesn't have much chemistry. And Rudy Gobert missing that Dallas game is going to be one of those moments in time that people are going to remember. I think tonight becomes a very important night because you have a team in the Jazz that are clearly better than the numbers they're putting up. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Yeah. The issue is that you don't have a group of five guys that you can put on the floor who like playing together, and that's what we're seeing. You're looking at a, a meltdown in chemistry. You're looking at a meltdown in systematic execution where you have guys in the wrong spot, where you have guys not doing their job, whether that's out of a, a, a desire to do more than they are capable of doing or whether it just simply is mental lapses. It really doesn't matter. This Utah Jazz team should be better than they are, but they're not. And now not only are they not in the fourth spot, they're only a half game out of falling to the sixth spot with a Denver team breathing down their neck that now in Nikola Jokic has the clear favorite to be the most valuable player in the NBA once again. Yeah. This Jazz team is on a perch that they've they haven't quite been on before, which is you had all these expectations coming into this year, rightly or wrongly, and I think we've talked a lot about it on this show. We've felt like all season long that the expectations that this was going to be a contender in the West were misplaced. And I think now we're starting to see that bear out because you have a situation where you're going to flame out. You are going to, unless you start winning games, when you have less than two weeks or about two weeks left in the season, if you don't start winning games and start winning games in volume, this is going to get very ugly. And if they lose the fifth spot and fall behind Denver to the sixth spot, now I think you're in real trouble, Jake, because that puts you in a matchup with the Golden State Warriors that, frankly, with or without Steph Curry, is one that I don't think the Utah Jazz want to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. And I, and I think the other thing as far as losing games is concerned is it, it, it exacerbates the situation, meaning that, that when you're losing games and the morale in the team is already low, when you start adding in, you know, Rudy sitting out games, you know, allegedly and, you know, with sourced information saying that that he did that to kind of prove a point, like, you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, I don't know. That's just not – that's – if I was Rudy Gobert, that is not how I would want my teammates or the league to perceive me, you know, and, and that really speaks to – if you really dig into that a little bit and you think about, all right, What's got to go through this guy's mind to think, all right, it's okay for me to sit out against Dallas? What what would have to go through your mind? So you're either 
you're either just soft mentally, which, you know, very well could be the case. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that guy, maybe Rudy just is such a soft player that he can't play through any injury. I doubt that, but Hey, maybe it's the case. Uh, and also then you have this, the other angle, which is like, Hey, I'm Rudy Gobert. I think I'm the best. I think that I'm just sliced bread, you know, and, and that's what we're hearing. And that's really troubling because he's not the best Donovan. This is Donovan's team. So when you look at matching up with the Warriors in the postseason, you know, and everyone's going to say, well, Steph is out and he's not going to be the same guy. I got news for you. Steph Curry is going to be the same guy when he comes back. And this Golden State Warriors team is going to come back together. They are going to do that. And the reason they will be able to do that is because it's the same guys. It's literally the same guys over again. It's 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 yeah. Clay, Steph, Draymond, and Iguodala coming off the bench. It's the same team. They're going to come together. So am I saying that they're going to route you in four games if that's the matchup? No. But I definitely don't think you're lasting more than six games. I can tell you that. So that's why I say this could be – like, if you're a Jazz fan, you need to be prepared for the idea that you're going to go out in the first round and that this is going to be a tumultuous sort of ending to the Rudy Gobert, you know, and really to the core of this team, as we kind of talked about yesterday. And I, I think the shocking thing for a lot of Jazz fans is you're just not used to this kind of drama. You know, this has been consistent over the last two years, and the drama has consistently circled around Rudy Gobert. And I think... It, it speaks to how important to this team that he is, and it speaks to how this roster is constructed. And the frustrating part is there's no easy way to fix this. There's no easy way to go about winning and winning now. I mean, you, you look at the standings and you look how tight you are now. You have very little room for error. I mean, the four or five, okay, you know, I think a lot of us can see that a, a Dallas-Utah, you know, first-round matchup is not the worst thing in the world. The Jazz can win that if guys play, yeah. right? Like, I mean, there's a real good chance you're going to get Bogey in and Rudy back tonight. Um, and the interesting thing is, if you're healthy, you feel like you can compete against just about anybody. You feel like you can compete. I think there's very few teams in the top eight teams in the West that I feel like this Jazz roster, even when it's healthy – can beat in a, in a seven-game series. And I will tell you, Golden State's not one of those teams I think the Jazz can beat in a seven-game series. Um, because the way you beat the, the Golden State Warriors is you get physical with them. And that's not who this Jazz team is. Yeah. And I think when you look at the growth in pool and you look at the opportunity that, that has emerged with Steph Curry out of the lineup, um, you're seeing that Klay Thompson's getting his legs back under him really well now. And the three ball looks better. You're looking at Draymond Green playing his way back into shape. Again, you're looking at Poole. You're looking at all of these guys coming together, growing because of opportunity. Yes. That's scary because all those guys are really athletic. All those guys run the floor very well. Draymond Green is arguably the best fast break point guard, you know, facilitator, if you will, in the NBA. When he's right and he's running the floor and Draymond Green's on the ball, Draymond Green's very difficult to deal with, especially when it's, Steph on his left and Clay on his <laughs> Two right. Two Hall and, of Fame shooters, bro. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes for a very difficult matchup for a team like the Utah Jazz that, frankly, does not guard the three-point line very well. And they tend to collapse very aggressively, which against a team like a, the Golden State Warriors is tough. It's, it's, it's why Luka Doncic is able to do what he's able to do Sunday night in Dallas, which is shoot the three at will and then go right by guys like Rudy Gay because this Jazz team isn't athletic on defense. 
So it scares you when you start, okay, well, four or five, but now from four to six, I mean, I, I think that could be catastrophic. I, a I, big I, fall. That's a big, big fall. Yeah. And it's it's why tonight's a must win again. And I know it's a regular season game, and I had like 10 people on YouTube yesterday say, you know, hey, you got to stop calling these must wins. It's a regular season. I'm telling you, these are must wins. It's not must. Let's be, let's clarify that because I because my opinion is is they are must wins, but not from the standpoint of your record, right? It's not a must win game because you know you you don't want to fall to the six seed. I think it's a must win game for the culture of your team, for the for the for yeah. the for the for the relationships that you have on this roster. I mean, again, you know what I was just saying, losing. And losing in this fashion exacerbates the problem. And and I want to be really clear because I'm sure we're going to get the, you know, Rudy Gobert defense fund in the comments, right? Like, I want to be clear. We're not saying this is all Rudy Gobert's fault. But what I am saying is that when you start being the guy that sits out games where you could have played, which is very clear that he could have played if he really wanted to. It's kind of that example I used. If your house is burning down and you have a, a pulled hamstring, I'm pretty sure you're going to find a way to go get your kids. You know, it's like that type of situation. So when you start becoming that guy, you know, where you're sitting out games, important games, and your team's losing those games, right? And then let's say you come back tonight. I haven't seen the injury report, but I'm assuming that there's a chance he plays tonight. It looks like Rudy Gobert and Boyan Bogdanovich should should play tonight. Like, that's a bad look for Rudy Gobert, right? It is, and I, I think one of the things that is very telling of that, and it's what you touched on earlier, you know, we're talking to guys around the league who are wondering if Rudy Gobert sat out just to prove a point. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think that's the case. I really don't. I think the case is, is that Rudy made a decision that he was injured and he wanted to, he wanted to sit. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I think you're in very deep water when you start questioning somebody's motivation for sitting out. Frankly, I think it's just not a very smart thing to do because these guys are all professional athletes, right? None of these guys, you would hope at least, none of these guys are quitters. It is very questionable if Rudy if Rudy Gobert plays tonight, you have to ask yourself why he didn't try to give it a go in Denver. I mean, you're talking about a or in Dallas, excuse me. You're talking about a leg bruise here. A lower leg bruise, contusion, if you will. This isn't a knee injury. This isn't you know, that we know, I mean, we don't know the exact details of that injury, but it's just a little surprising if he plays in LA tonight that he didn't play in Dallas on Sunday in a game that was, that's a must win game by anybody's standard. I mean, it's a dude. huge I mean, that's game. Like, it's a playoff game. Yeah. You can't get around that. dude. Yeah. Dude. You and, can't get around it. And that's why people are wondering. And then you start looking at this situation with Denver and Denver being half a game behind you. I mean, they've got Indiana granted it's on the road. They've got Indiana tomorrow night. So you could you if you lose this game in LA tonight, you're you're tied with Denver for the sixth spot, who's going to Indiana, who is sitting two of their best players for the rest of the year, including Miles Turner. Yeah. So you would assume that Denver's gonna win that game. Then they go home for Minnesota at Los Angeles for the Lakers. I mean, they're gonna win the next three games, I would guess. The thing that scares me about this Nuggets team is not just like the talent they have or like their roster. But it's their culture on the team, which is one of like, and this is the Memphis Grizzlies too, by the way. It's it's one of like toughness and and grit and like playing a really physical brand of basketball. They're not scared. And again, as much as I don't like 
that Jokic did that to Morris earlier in the season. That's their culture on that team. They want to kick your ass physically. And that's why I say, like, when I when I look at, you know, hey, you're going to Indiana and you got this matchup and that matchup, it's like, dude, like, they're not the best team in the West. But, man, if there was ever a team that could go on the road and, and do what we're asking them to do, it would be the Nuggets because they don't care who you are. And really, when you're looking at the contrast between these two teams, that's what concerns me when the Jazz go out on the road, you know? Not only the athleticism and the speed that teams bring to them, but that physicality piece I feel like but, has been missing. And look what happened, um, because I have no life, I saw it. Look what happened with Charlotte and Denver last night. Uh-huh. You had Montrez Harrell and Aaron Gordon getting into it. Yep. And you look at the importance of Aaron Gordon on that Denver team, and you look at the edge that a guy like Montrez Harrell brought to a young, growing Charlotte team, that's what the Jazz are lacking. There is there is no Miles Turner on this team. There yes. is no Montrez Harrell on this team. And I, I think you're exactly right about Denver. They're not going to take shit from anybody. And Montrez Harrell trying to get into Aaron Gordon – um, you know, like it just doesn't, it, Aaron Gordon's happy to, <laughs> yeah. And that, and the whole team rallied around Aaron Gordon. I mean, they, this Western conference is very different than it used to be. It's better. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if you look at the top 10 teams in the West, I mean, there's a real good chance the Lakers aren't making the playoffs. They're paying LeBron James $44.5 million. They're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. And I, it, you look at the standings right now, and I'll, I'll just keep waxing poetic about Minneapolis um, and what the T-Wolves are doing. And, and I'm telling you now, there's not an easy out in the playoffs in this conference. No. So when you have chemistry issues like the Jazz do, when you have injury issues like the Jazz do, when you have you know declining performance across your starting five, the way the Jazz do right now, I mean, it's a it's a bleak outlook when you start looking at what the possible matchups could be. Let's let's theorize that the Jazz win every game. How high can they get right now? My guess is you're not making up two and a half games on Golden State with what seven to play. So my guess is you could get back to the four, right? If you get back to the four right now, you're probably playing again Dallas or Denver. If you fall to the six right now, you would play Golden State. I don't see any way that the Minnesota Timberwolves make up two games on the Jazz. Yeah. I just don't see that happening. There's no time left. So you're playing Dallas or Denver. Yeah. that's Or Dallas or Golden State, excuse me. That's who you're playing. And both those games will be – both those series will be on the road for you. The Chase Center is, a, is, a, is turning into a very good home court advantage. I think we all recognize that American Airlines Arena is a great home court advantage. Well, and you're probably in your head a little bit about Dallas. You know, like I would as agree. A team, you know, you've been battling them. Like you didn't, you didn't have a real great answer. Now again, no Bogey, right? No Rudy. You know, for better or for worse, those two guys were out. So you know, how is the matchup different with those two guys playing? You know, obviously that's going to change things. But you know, either way, I think it's a very tight game. I think it's a very tight game. I've maintained all season that I think Dallas is just as good as the Jazz. I don't think they're better than the Jazz, but I, I, I think these two teams are even. That's yeah. what I think about them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. I mean, I, but again, and I, I feel like I'm going to say this every day for the next six months. Uh huh. You're watching the end of, a, of, a, of an era of Jazz basketball. You're watching the end right now. I mean, tonight, when you flip on the game tonight, I want you to think about me. Now keep your clothes on. I know it's tough. Uh -oh. But I want you, I want you to think about me. 
I want you to remember that I said every game you watch is one of the, the, the waning games in this current incarnation of Utah Jazz basketball. Yeah. The Rudy and Don generation is coming to an end. And I, I again, I asked directly to my source at the Utah Jazz, um, is Rudy Gobert going to be here a year from now? And the answer was he won't be here six months from now. So I'm telling you, the Jazz are going to do everything they can do to try and trade Rudy Gobert. And I think now that Danny Ainge is in full control, because one of the other things, I guess I undersold the lead. One of the other things that came out of conversations I had yesterday was that Justin Zanuck really um, is now handing a lot more player personnel control over to Danny Ainge. Like Danny Ainge is now a lot more involved in the, the, the future vision of this team because they are already, the Utah Jazz are already looking forward to the summer. They should be. They are already, they know what they would like to do. Now it's a matter of taking the last two weeks of the season and the playoffs, whatever that winds up looking like, taking the last two weeks of the season and the playoffs and deciding who you're married to. Yeah. And again, point blank, I was told yesterday this team is married to one guy and it's Donovan Mitchell. And they are going to do everything that they can do to, to bring in a team around him this summer that can compete for a playoff spot and then in two years compete for an NBA championship. See, and that's exactly what you want to hear out of your front office. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, we already know, no matter how this season goes, we already know what we want to do this summer. We already know the limitations of this team. So right now we're just going to evaluate these last probably, what, four weeks, five weeks maybe of the season that we have left and 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 make decisions. You know, one of the other interesting things yesterday was I asked uh, my jazz source, I said, if you guys could go back, do you think you would redo the Gobert contract? And the answer was pretty interesting. He said, we don't look at things that way. It's not the smart way to do business. And I think that's exactly it's right. It's a fair answer. It's it a is fair a fair answer, answer yeah. because yeah. now you're in a position where you can't go back and you are, it is what it is yeah. because I don't think there's any doubt that this Rudy Gobert contract changed the course of the franchise, changed the path and the trajectory that this franchise is on. Yeah. When you're paying a guy $41 million on average, and again, I just was mentioning LeBron, LeBron's making $44 million a year. Rudy Gobert's making $41 million a year. Yeah. He's making $3 million less than LeBron James, who's been one of the best players in the NBA this year. That's crazy money to me. And I don't know any other way that you rebuild a team other than moving that contract. And then you add all of this other stuff on top of it. And it's not, again, this is not that I want to make this really clear because I think it's very easy when we talk about the jazz and Rudy Gobert to, to be in this mode of piling on top of Rudy. This is not necessarily Rudy's fault. If the jazz walked up to you and said, yeah, sure. We'll give you $41 million. Are you going to say no? Oh, sign that. Sign me up. It's guaranteed money. That money's in your pocket, right? No matter what, you're getting paid. So it's not Rudy's fault that he's making $41 million a year. But it is his fault that he has not conducted himself in a, in a way becoming of his, of his teammates. And he is, a, he is a guy that has caused fracture in that locker room. And whether it's his complaining with the officials, whether it is his, you know, obsessive belief that he is a force offensively. He has just rubbed a lot of his teammates the wrong way. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly enough, 
The other guy that I hear a lot about in this is Royce O'Neal. Is that this, the, while Royce is not what would, what would be deemed difficult to deal with, there is a lot of frustration around Royce O'Neal's inability to execute in crunch time. Yeah. He just will not, whether it's shooting a big three, whether it's like there's a, the one of the things I've heard a lot is that Royce O'Neal just doesn't make the right pass at the right time. Well, it's what you always say, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day in the NBA or really even in any sport, it's not your best player that wins you the game, right? It is, it is that second-tier guy. That's a, a key contributor to your team. He's not the best player, but he's a second-tier guy, key contributor to your team, who you need to take that corner three, who you need to swing the ball at the right time, right? You're not asking, and this is kind of where, you know, whether you're in sales, whether this is your 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 office job or your business or whatever, right? You know the guys that are going to perform for you every single day reliably, and you don't even have to second-guess it. But it's that it's that second guy that's got to do his job at a high level, or else you're it's not James Harden. Be, yeah, I mean, it's James Harden. But even but see the James Harden thing to me is even worse because James Harden is sold to you as a guy who's a mainstay that you should be able to rely on. It's like yeah. in Philly, it's Maxi. Maxi is the Royce O'Neal. Maxi's the guy that they need to perform to put them over the top. But he can't even do that because James Harden's yeah. not doing his job. And I I think on this Jazz team, the the two guys that have to perform for them to win. Our boy on Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I mean you're you know what you're gonna get out of Donovan Mitchell. He's pretty much gonna give you 26 to 30 points a night. Yeah, and he is going to shoot a lot of threes. You know that. You have no idea on a nightly basis what you're gonna get from Jordan Clarkson. Well, and that's you might the problem. Get, you might get 40. You might get four. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. Like Boyan Bogdanovich, you, I I say it repeatedly he needs to score 20 points a night for them to win that doesn't happen a whole lot and now with this injury it hasn't happened at all and they've really struggled to replace to to replace Boyan's production yeah when he's been out of the lineup nobody has replaced Boyan Bogdanovich's production you found different ways to replace what Joe Ingles was giving you albeit not well right not well but you found ways to to get that production you have not found any way to replace what Boyan Bogdanovich brings to you. And it's because you don't have depth on this roster. And this is another argument that was on the, the YouTube comments a couple days ago. I said on like Wednesday or Thursday last week, they have less, they have less depth now than I think I, they've had in any time that I've watched this team. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely true. They do not have a guy coming off that bench that you can 100% count on. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson is not is a shell of the guy he was last year. Well, and I think this is what leads to this particular conversation is partially what leads to that whole thing we were talking about earlier with Rudy sitting out the Dallas game. I mean, you know that Jordan Clarkson is inconsistent. You know that Royce O'Neal gets really tight in big games. You know, you know that. So, so why would you sit out that game? That's see, and that's what that that's I think, what hurts. I think this this concept about Rudy sitting out the Dallas game is as old as, you know, schoolyard kids, right? Like like when you were a kid playing football in the schoolyard, you know, and your boys really needed you and you didn't play that one game because your foot hurt, like they're, they're going to be upset about that, you know? And this is that same thing, you know? It doesn't – I don't think it's outlandish to say that, you know, he could have played. And the reason I don't think it's outlandish is because, again, and I'm not trying to compare – Rudy to to Kobe and what Kobe did for the game. But this concept, I think, 
is applicable to every single player and, and every single athlete that you know and love. Dude, if your house is burning down and you're lay, you're sitting on the couch with a with a hamstring issue, you're going to forget about that to go and save your kids. That's how bad you got to want to play the game to win at the highest level. And that's what I think is missing here. Honestly, that's what I think is missing cuz we see it. We see it out of Don. Like love or hate the guy, like like look back to the Memphis drama last year and the in the medical staff and all that. All of that just stems from Don wanting to play no matter what which is why he came back in the Dallas game. And that's what that that's, was to prove a point. That was to prove a point. Yeah. And, and that's why I say like, I, I agree. It's, 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 you gotta be really careful when you question guys willingness to play, but, but that's Dallas dude at this time of the year. And if Gobert plays to, it's a no win situation for Rudy now because yeah, we know <laughs> his teammates are questioning his heart. He made his bed. It's time to lay in it, bro. It's that simple. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, James Knight says the second tier guy that shoots the corner three blew out his knee and got traded. No, no. Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles was a net negative for this team. Like he was not Joe. And, and again, I said it to somebody on Twitter today about romanticizing this roster. Somebody was talking about how um, they're seeing that I'm right, that this roster is going to change and it makes them emotional and they're sad. And it's like, okay, why are you sad that this roster is going to change? Because all Jazz fans have done this year is bitch and moan about how average this team has been. Yeah. And they're average because the roster hasn't changed. Like, it hasn't changed. Yeah. And you look at Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles' performance was in steep, and I mean steep decline. Yes. But this was a guy who wasn't making threes and showed almost no ability to defend whatsoever. He got blown up. By the Clippers in the playoffs last year. But wait, he was in Paul George's head, wasn't he? At some point, maybe, supposedly. Fucking A. You know, stop with the Joe Ingles. We miss Joe Ingles. You miss his leadership. There's nothing that Joe Ingles brought to this team on the floor this year that you miss. There's there's just not. He is. He was an average-ass player. Bogdanovich is the guy you need standing in the corner shooting the three. Yeah, no, you need Daniel House. You need or Daniel House. Daniel House. You need Jordan Clarkson. You need Bogey on the wing. It'd be nice if you could if Royce would shoot the three in the corner no matter what. Get it blocked, shoot an air ball. I don't give a damn. Yeah. Every time you're in the corner and the ball swung to you, shoot the three. Yeah. That would make him a completely different player. But he won't do it. He will not do it. And it, and it's why it's why it was so clear that Joe Ingles was in decline because he stopped making threes. And he started putting the ball on the floor, which never was going well. And that Joe, wasn't really his game either. No, his highest best use was always a catch and shoot because Joe would catch it at his face and release it. And it was splash. Yeah. But that Joe Ingles hasn't been here for 18 months. Yeah. So it's great you want to romanticize the past but you got to get over that uh edgar garcia says good morning greg hawkins how the heck are you uh edgar says off the subject but u.s men's soccer national team looking pretty dang good somebody's got to buy chelsea football club and please don't let it be the rickets uh the blind swordsman ds uh says it's warranted today he should have played sunday james i'm assuming deleted his comment um because he said something about rudy gobert so I don't know what you said, James. Eric C. said, I think we have a very low bar for the U.S. men's national team. Right now you do. Right now you, you missed the World Cup, man. Um, 
<laughs> Let's see. Eric and Raleigh says, good morning, gents. Gobert is destroying this Jazz franchise. Easy. Yeah. That's uh, a little dramatic. The Jazz present major matchup problem for the Warriors. The Jazz present major matchup problems for the Warriors. If I were the Jazz, I'd want the Warriors in the first round. Well, it depends on if Steph plays or not. What what matchups? I, I, I mean, I, so I like these kind of conversations. What matchups do you think would trouble the Warriors? Well, you look at point, and, and the Warriors just have like 17 point guards on their team. Yeah. Um, everybody runs the ball up. But, yeah. I mean, if you go point for point, let's say Steph versus Conley, I think. Steph wins that. If Steph's healthy, though. He will be. Okay, so you know what? Call that even because I don't know if he's going to be healthy. Well, here's my thing with that. Not to not to belabor the point, but like they're not bringing him back so he can just rest his legs. That's why he's not playing. Hey, man, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. He's never been, in my opinion, and we have battled epically about this on right. this show. Right. He's not a clutch player, Steph. In my mm. opinion, I don't think he's a guy that you can say give him the ball and because again, he's he's James Harden in the playoffs. He, that three ball, the, the basket seems to shrink for Steph at times. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. The interesting matchup is Clay versus Boyan. That's a that's a fascinating matchup to me. The other question is. What do the what do the Golden State Warriors do with Rudy Gobert? Because Kavon Looney's never really been able to handle Rudy. Yeah. But when they go small ball, I think Draymond Green has had it, the the ability to get under Rudy's skin a little bit. Yeah, that's what I would do. And I, I would put. I would, that's exactly what I would do. I would start. I would start Draymond Green at the five. And if I'm the Jazz, I turn him into a three-point shooter. Yeah, well, what I what I would do is I would go Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, and then I would – you'd have to figure out Wiggins? the four. Yeah, Wiggins, and then Draymond. I would play fast. Hmm. I would get up and down, and I would try to tire the Jazz out. That's what I would try to do because the problem is is that Rudy doesn't have a place. You can kind of alleviate his impact if you're playing fast, you know? But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think that's that, that's why I say like it's a fascinating, fascinating series. I mean, again, why don't why don't we focus on the Clipper game because that's the one in front of you? Like Paul George is going to play tonight, you know, and and I don't know. I I guess you're putting Bogdanovich on Paul George. I, I mean, I I don't know who you put on him at this point. You know, it's interesting looking at the way. I mean, the Warriors are trash right now. What have they lost? Six of seven of eight, I think, or something like that. Yeah. But you're getting an interesting – like, I mean, Poole has been unbelievable. Yep. Just looking at his game log, I mean, Jordan Poole, he's all the way up to 18 points a game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. 25, 26, 24, 30, 26, 28, 29, 20, 30, 21, 20, and 32. Like he is on a he is on a run. The problem is they're not winning. They have indeed lost six to seven, which is crazy. Um, and you look at that that loss to Memphis. What was it last night or Sunday night? Last night, I think. Yeah. You look last at the night. loss to Memphis. Kaminga, Wiggins, Looney, Peyton, Poole. Um. So you're not playing Clay. You're not playing Dre. You're not playing Steph. Yeah. So here's I'm just looking at. Steph Curry, just point totals, right? I'm not trying to get super deep into it. Just to give some context around the struggles. And what you see, if you just look at his all-time, just every series he's played in, what you end up seeing is early in the series, typically, he's a pretty average shooter uh, from a point standpoint. So, like, you know, in, in 2016, when they were playing Cleveland, in the first game, he's got 11 points, you know? 
second game 18, third game 19, fourth game 38. You know, so like, and then you look at, you know, you start to go down the list here, fast forward to 2018 in the Houston series where, you know, all the injuries happen and, and everything. First game, 18 points. Second game, 16 points. Third game, 35 points, right? Yeah. Fourth game, 28. So it seems to me, you know, he has, he's definitely not a guy who's going to put up 35 every single game for your team throughout a seven game series. He's not that guy. But what he, what I think you can, what we could count on just based on what he's done, taking my bias out of it, just looking at what he's done, I think you can count on two down games and, you know, probably three to four, you know, pretty standard outputs from him. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what this Warriors team does here the last two weeks. But again, we're just assuming that that's who the Jazz are going to see. I mean, that that like we're just assuming that at this point. I, I mean, don't who know. The hell I, knows? I think if you are the Jazz, the Mavericks terrify you. I I, I kind of agree with Eric. I, I and, and with what? In in the sense that maybe Golden State is a better matchup than Dallas or Dallas would be at this point. I mean, it's just it, it I don't is. Know, bro. Any way you slice it, I mean... Here's my only thing with... The only thing I like about Dallas more than Golden State is Dallas has never been there and Golden State has. Meaning that Golden yeah, State knows how to win, mean? dude. I mean, it, with with Clay missing the last two years, Draymond's clearly not 100%. I thought they were really smart to rest him last night. Yeah, see, I, mean, I think we look at this differently. I, I would not want anything to do with the Warriors because they, they know how to win, dude. They yeah, know but, how to win big games. But years ago, they know how to win. They haven't won. They haven't been competitive in well, two years since Durant yeah. left. I mean, it, it's – yeah, I, I – I, I think any matchup is going to be difficult. Frank H says point guard is coming. PG is coming back to Paul George. Yes. Is coming back tonight. So this game will likely be an L. Uh, I think this first game back. I, I mean, mean, it's, this is pride, man. Yeah. When you are the, the Utah jazz, I think are acutely aware that they are playing for their, their collective. Yeah. Like this, they're in trouble. I don't think people realize how bad this jazz team has played. And it, it, if you were playing an elite level of basketball, but you, yeah, you know, I mean, we're without Rudy, we're without Bogey. But we but, did everything we could. Yeah, I mean, we played our best game. Guys quit. You have a guy in buckets or bench that's scared to shoot and makes the wrong decision. <laughs> you have Eric Pascal coming out of the corner multiple times in a set where his only job is to stand in the corner. And you have Don calling him out on the floor. Yeah. You have, you have all of these situations where Mike Conley the other night is just standing there questioning, like, wh what are you doing? Yeah. Like, he's looking at Trent Forrest saying, what are you doing? You know, like, you, you, you have guys that are just doing the wrong thing because they're losing themselves mentally. Is that coaching or is that the player? That's not coaching. Eric Paschal knows he's got to stay in the corner, yeah. but he wants to do too much and he wants to play hero ball and he comes out of the corner. And so where's the ball go? Well, of course it went to the corner because that's where it's supposed to go. Yeah. Right. Like, it, I mean, it's just, it, it's an ugly, ugly setup. Yeah. It's an ugly setup right now. Um, Jeremy Bolton says, Sarah Todd wrote a really good article last night about this year's jazz team. And I think she nailed it right on. There are just bad vibes on this team in, uh, where there used to be good vibes. Yes. Well, that's because of who you've given the keys to the car to. Yes. When you when you hand over 
And I, I think one of the things we've consistently talked about about this Jazz team is there's no leadership. And so in in a, a an absence of leadership, guys are just going to, are, are going to try and force themselves into that role. Yeah. And Rudy Gobert has done that. And it's been an abject failure. Rudy Gobert is a terrible leader. He is a guy that talks and does not perform. He is a guy that wants to yell and complain and try and, you know, have accountability. I heard the, this phrase repeatedly, ultimate accountability. Right. And there is none from Rudy Gobert because he wants to hold guys accountable for the same things he's doing. And, Don has, for better or for worse, had to be a leader when he just was not ready. And you're, but you're starting to see that now. You're starting to see him grabbing guys and saying, hey, we're doing this or that. Note very publicly that you are seeing Donovan and, and Quinn Snyder talking a lot more on the sideline. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And I think what you're seeing is that this is – this is not fun anymore. It's not enjoyable anymore to play on this team the way it's built. And it, it just, there's only one way to fix this. This is what I've been saying for a year. There's only one way to fix this. You're, you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to blow it up and they're going to do that. Yeah. I don't have any doubt about that. You know, I just, yeah, it, yeah. It just, it, it, it to me, it, it is, it is very difficult. To, to fix what is wrong. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says, if Jordan Poole is the leading scorer, this team is not good. But he's not going to be the leading scorer. He's not. Um, let's see. Uh, Fibbo the man won. Good morning to you. Uh, when you look how much Utah is playing bogey, there isn't a lot of players that can give you bogey's numbers for that money. So ask yourself this about Boyan Bogdanovich. When everybody's healthy, why is he lesser a lesser player? Because he's not going to call for the ball. He is not a guy that demands, commands your respect. And that's why some nights he'll give you 10 and other nights he'll give you 45. You know, like they have to work hard to get him the ball because he's not somebody that demands it. And so, I mean, I, I again, I think he's an incredibly vital part of this current team's roster. Yeah. Because he does things that nobody else on this team can do. When he wants to, he can he knows how to use his body to 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 get to the basket. You notice what all every time we talk about the jazz and like we're in conversation, you notice how we're always talking about like the the when he wants to or they gotta work hard or you know, it's not easy for this team like it is for other teams. You know, like for the Suns it's easy. You know, they're all on the same page. They all love each other. Everything's great. They're just on a mission together. The Memphis Grizzlies are on a mission together. You know, like, I I, I, I just, whatever they do to this team, the chemistry has got to improve substantially. Man, yeah. it's got to improve. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. James Knight says, if Donovan is the only guy and they have to peel it back to that extent, surely it's a long road to the next championship. I actually don't think it is. I mean, if you look at... If you look at the way that teams are built in today's NBA, it's significant, impactful trades. And that's why it's going to take you a year to get there. But if you if you make those hard choices and you tear this thing down this summer, yes, next summer, next trade deadline, next summer, you're going to be in a much better position to build this roster. You're not going to compete for a championship for the next year, the next 12 to... 16 months 
you will not compete for a championship. It, that's just not how where you are right now. But there's no reason that a year from now you can't be going into a, a summer window where you're going to be able to to buy players and make trades to to build this to build this roster. Yeah. And I'm tired of hearing that. Well, guys won't come here. Okay. Well, maybe. A, that's why you make trades, and B, I don't necessarily agree that guys won't. That's come what here. they said about Phoenix, and look what happened. I, I just, I don't necessarily believe that. I, I really don't. Um, talking with Raphael podcast says, "Good morning, everyone." Casual fan in the building. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Shout out to Mo Bamba. That's okay. a drop. I Shout out to Mo Bamba. There you go. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, good morning too. He says the Utah Jazz got to shape up for real. We really need everybody to step up. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says Gobert proved he wasn't a winner when he touched all the microphones and gave everyone in the Jazz locker room COVID. Come on. Come on. The coronavirus. It's look, uh, Caleb says it's looking harder and harder for the Jazz to score these days. It is because they don't run offense. They when, when they and here's the 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 real value in Rudy Gobert. He's an elite pick and roll player. Now, it'll be interesting, as we talked about yesterday, the the volume of illegal screens that have been called in this league over the last 10 days. It's going to be interesting to see how much of that Rudy Gobert gets away with. Yeah. Because pretty much every screen that Rudy sets is illegal. He is moving. He is leaning. He is dipping. Like, most of his screens are illegal. Yeah. And he doesn't get a whole lot of that called. But you'll note, um, the Friday night in Charlotte, he got called. I think twice for illegal screens. So all of a sudden it's a point of emphasis around the NBA. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how all that works out. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, wait, I thought last year's jazz team was the deepest team in NBA history. Exactly right. Hey guys. Yeah. Ask Holly Rowe. Uh, he says, speaking of Chelsea FC blitzer, a part owner of Ralph Salt Lake is uh, in the running for the Chelsea for Chelsea ownership. Yeah. Uh, there are three groups that are going to be presented to. So for those of you who don't know, Chelsea FC, Chelsea Football Club, owned by Roman Abramovich currently, who is a Russian oligarch, um, which means he's a Russian billionaire. Um, he has to sell the team because all of his assets have been frozen. So they are not allowing um, Chelsea Football Club to sell tickets, to sell jerseys, to sell anything that will make them money because that money would go to Roman Abramovich. So they are not allowed to spend on players. They are not allowed to travel. Um, like there were questions about how they were going to travel for their their uh, FA Cup match. Players were talking about, "Hey, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for our team to travel." Like it, it's at that point at Chelsea, and now you're seeing that. Like this morning, it was announced Andres Christensen is going to Barca next year. So you're already starting to lose players. Hopefully, the ownership piece will be like done in the next month because they have got to find a way to move on with their business. It's, it's an unprecedented, never seen before situation. Um, let's see, James Knight will comment. Um, um, sorry, James, I lost your comment there. So depth hasn't diminished since he left since who left. Um, wait, I thought, yeah, exactly. Uh, James Knight says, uh, Joe was arguably the sixth man of the year last season. He was not. No, that was another Jordan, guy on the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson was a sixth man of the year. His form diminished this season. Yes, agreed. No, his form diminished starting the, the back half of last season, certainly in the playoffs, certainly against the Clippers. We saw that. Yeah. Um, he couldn't move anymore. I mean, the guy just could not move. 
Like they and James, look, I get it. He's your guy. You guys are Australian. You put shrimp on the Barbie together. Did you order a Trailblazers jersey yet, by the way? And by the way, where's my Forex gold that yeah, you owe me? Come on, let's go. Well, they're never gonna trade Joe. It's the fucking Vernal Equinox. They traded Joe. Don't before know what to tell you. Before the Vernal Equinox. Um, I get it. He's your guy. Joe Ingles is a role player. Has always been a role player. Yep. And there's no other way. To describe him, he will always be a role player. He will be a fan favorite, yes. Beloved by the Utah Jazz fans, yes. Really good three-point shooter, absolutely. Star player, absolutely not. He that let's take your emotion and your fandom out of it. Joe Ingles, and I'll I, even if you just go to the playoffs last year, Joe Ingles diminished significantly from that point forward. So. You don't miss his three-point shooting because he wasn't making them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I would much rather have seen a guy like Trent Forrest who can't shoot the three at all. I would love to have seen them go deep dive on that kid and turn him into a, a corner three shooter because that's what he lacks right now. Yeah. Right? You've got to – this team has got to develop young guys. No, I'm not going there. Don't – don't. no, man. No, man. No, no man. No, 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 no. no. Um, Please. Yeah, Tanner says, uh, Jeremy, yeah, I saw that article too. She did a good job. Uh, Sarah Todd's article. Did you guys see this Andy Larson, Donovan Mitchell thing? <laughs> Look, and, and I don't often – you rarely, oh. if ever, hear us talk about guys directly, especially mm -hmm. in the media. Right. Andy Larson's an embarrassment. What he did with Donovan Mitchell in Dallas is an embarrassment. I give him credit that he apologized for it, deleted the tweet. If you missed it, Andy Larson tweeted that Donovan Mitchell was yelling at the Mavericks bench about picking him up full court and that Donovan was unhappy with the Mavericks doing so. Donovan Mitchell took so much umbrage with that that he tweeted at Andy Larson and essentially said, stop making shit up, Andy. And that was the last straw for me on Sunday night. Like, I canceled my Salt Lake Tribune membership, like my subscription. Yeah. Like, I, that's – I cannot tell you how Bush League that is. And that this guy, who is a fan, who routinely fanboys – and then does it under the guise of being a beat writer. It's embarrassing to this town that that's your lead Utah Jazz beat writer. At the paper, dude. At the paper in, in Utah. Yeah. Like, what Andy Larson did with, with, with Donovan Mitchell and has repeatedly done this. Yeah, this isn't the first time. I mean, repeatedly it, like, yeah. done this. Yeah. And nobody seems to care. Yeah. Nobody seems to care. And I understand that, you know, I understand that he's got a job to do and he's paid well to do it. And he always said he says something to the effect of, you know, I'm a stats guy or what, what. Hey, that's cool, man. It takes a professional to be a beat writer. Yeah, you're not paid to be a stats guy, right? Like, in your opinion, what's a beat writer? What? Tell me the story and give me the news. I don't want your opinion. Don't write me a column, man. I don't want that. That's. It's not your job. Your job is to travel with the team, cover the news, and write me game stories. 
Write me a story about the box score. That's essentially your job. You're not a Utah Jazz insider. You're not a guy that, you know, is is said to have all these relationships. You're not. And one of the things, the interesting thing about, you know, this whole Rudy Gobert story was, like, one of the guys I talked to about the Jazz was like, hey, do you know this clown? They called him a clown. Do you know this clown, Andy Larson? I said, I don't know him personally. He goes out of his way to avoid us. And it's like, that's what this guy is looked at as. Yeah. The, the players, this is not the first player either. And the, the amazing thing is people are like, oh, I can't believe Donovan lowered himself to that. What age are you thinking, thinking we're living in? You don't get on Twitter and make shit up about Donovan Mitchell and think he's not going to do something yeah. when that's the beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune doing that. Yeah. And this is the second time Royce O'Neal, nobody cares because he's Royce O'Neal, but Royce O'Neal went after Andy as well because he just doesn't report facts. He makes shit up, and it's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, he can't assume things, and, and that's then, what he did. And then tries to wrangle Sarah Todd into it with, hey, oh, I'll, at least I wasn't the only one. Yeah, you were, because you're the beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. So nobody, with all due respect, I don't know anybody that prefers the Des News over the Salt Lake Tribune. I've never subscribed to the Des News. I used to subscribe to the Salt Lake Tribune until Andy Larson did what he did. Yeah. It's, it's Im- uh, again, and, and, yeah, and I think it's it speaks, embarrassing. I, it speaks to the, you know, the, the level of local media. I think that there are, you know, it, it, you know, the best way I could say it is as a player, you know, this is definitely one of the lighter media markets in the NBA, no doubt about it. And yes. I think that, I think that, you know, unless you're in, you know, New York or LA or Chicago, like these major established, even probably Seattle, I would say, you know, these major established markets as an athlete, you know, you're not going to get pushed by the media. And, and it's so funny. Like the, the thing that really stood out to me is not, not that he made such an egregious mistake or, or, or embarrassed himself or whatever. It was more just to me, like, do you not appreciate the opportunity that you have like to be the beat writer and to have that kind of access? Like, I understand you're not solving world hunger, but I can tell you if I was the beat writer for the jazz, man, I would take that thing super seriously. I would be like, like in it, dude, but I wouldn't be fanboying on Twitter, man. I I wouldn't be making up stories that don't exist. Yeah. Like it's, it's terrible. It is it, and that's the issue in this town. The Jazz run this town. The yeah. Jazz and BYU, yeah. the church and the Jazz, like they run this town. Nobody questions the Jazz ever. Yeah. Nobody is going to say, "Well, those uniforms suck," <laughs> or "Oh, Holly Rose terrible," or nobody, "Or why the hell did you sign Rudy Gobert to a forty-one million dollar contract?" Nobody's going to question that. Nobody. We write memoriam pieces when guys like Joe Ingles get traded. We talk about Dennis Lindsay as a beloved figure who fucked us hard on the salary cap, but we love him. Yet yesterday, as seven people, I think it was, tweeted at me, nobody even said happy birthday to Jerry Sloan. Yeah. Nobody. 80th birthday. Nobody, not, nobody at the Utah Jazz. Nobody. Recognize that it's Jerry Sloan's birthday. Somehow. And who's going to hold him accountable for that? Anybody? Nobody? Like, nobody in this town would dare question the Utah Jazz. Nobody. And this is what we get. That's why fanboys like Andy have a job. Yeah. 
It's why. It's why guys like Tony Jones, frankly, work for the, the athletic. And, I, again, I'm just telling you. I don't think people realize this angle. This is a great angle. Like, you work for – it's a smart thing to do to work for the athletic because you, you're on a national brand, right? Because it, it's very different. Like, when you work for the Tribune, let's say, or the Des News, that's a very different dynamic than being at the athletic. Like, it's totally a different thing. Yeah, I just don't know. But, yeah, I think generally speaking, like, I think, you know, again, I'm not trying to, you know, disrespect Andy, but I, but I think the, the art of beat writing has really fallen off. Like, I think that I, I agree with you that beat writing is largely a non-opinion art form, but I think the great beat writers, you know, like you've got, you know, Steve Gilbert who covers the, the Diamondbacks every day. He's the beat writer there. Like, he does a pretty consistent job. You can go to his Twitter account. And you can pick up all the D-backs news that you want. Like, there, that's what you should be able to—you should be able to say, oh, this is Andy Larson. All the news is right here. The problem is Andy Larson just retweets injury reports. He, like, there's no, there's no sourcing done at all. Yeah. There's no—there's no— It, it says something that, that, that we have sources— that are reliable and get us ahead of guys who have media credentials in the building. Yeah. And that's because you have relationships. And again, I, I, the guys that I routinely pay attention to on the jazz are Tony Jones for sure. Yes. hundred percent. Ben Anderson, Ben Anderson at KSL Mm -hmm. and everybody else. Like I like Sarah Todd's writing. I think she's a good feature writer. Yeah. But there's nobody doing like sources say there's nobody doing like, and we've been asked about it. Like, how are you guys, how is it possible that you guys have have more information on what's going on on the Jazz than the guys who travel with the team? It's relationships. Because I don't work for the Jazz. Yeah. Andy Larson works for the Jazz. See, and this is this Andy is Larson works for the Jazz. It's amazing, dude. This is something that I think people forget, right? The art of, and it's lacking in this town. It doesn't exist. The art of the reporter who asks a tough question, who doesn't work for the team, who most importantly is a major uh, outlet in the community. That's what you have to have. You have to be someone who the community goes to and respects that does not work for the team that can report independently. That's what this town doesn't have. And on any team. Yeah. Not on the Utes. It's amazing. Not on BYU. So nobody will question. Nobody will question or source for BYU. Nobody ever Never going to happen. You have, like, look at who covers BYU. Like, people listen more to guys like fucking Ben Criddle, who is who is the ultimate fanboy, who has no inside information, none whatsoever. And they'll be like, oh, he's the end-all, be-all. Man, Ben Criddle's amazing. And it's like, dude, where are you from? Like, are you serious? There's nobody, like, and, and this is the issue with the zone. The reason that that you can't listen to the zone and take them seriously is they're in everybody's pocket. Yeah. They're in everybody's pocket. Yeah. Like they and now the reason that the merger with KSL and the zone was such a problem is cuz it's all incestuous now. You are never you are never going to get a critical word about BYU anywhere in this nope. town. Nope. Ever. Because you have the zone who and Hans Olsen is Probably the the most well known BYU alum on the radio here. You're never gonna he's never gonna say a critical word about that team ever. And it's because KSL 
is a church product. BYU is a church product. KSL owns the zone, essentially, with their partnership. They, the jazz in the same way, like you get nothing in Salt Lake City that doesn't have an incestuous hand in each other's pocket. Yeah. Nothing. Not on the Utes, not on BYU, not on the, certainly not on the jazz or BYU. Yeah. And we see this in Phoenix. We see this in many markets. Never. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's very difficult. And that's why I think that the jazz operate with autonomy because they don't have they don't have critical thinkers or or people critical of their actions that are going to call them out in the media. Yeah. Because it, and it the oddity about Salt Lake City is that like sports radio in this town is almost meaningless. Yeah. It's really weird. Like there's no I mean the only guy I really listen to and I don't I haven't listened in a couple of weeks cuz I just have been busy but like, I used to listen to Spence on a regular basis, and I just don't. Yeah, I think the dynamic – so here's the thing that you need. Again, it's the same thing. I mean, to have to have a influential and dynamic sports radio show, you have to have independence from the teams because, again, think about it. Like, when you turn on the radio here in Salt Lake, with all due respect, right, with all due respect to these guys doing shows here, you're not getting topical sports radio. You're getting turn on the mic – and just conversate. That's it. There's nothing dynamic. There's nothing <laughs> must listen. Nothing, dude. You you regularly turn on the radio in Salt Lake City, and it's not anything major. Like, and again, the reason I, you know, frankly, the reason I stop listening to uh, Spence on a regular basis is he talks so much RSL, and I I don't hate MLS soccer. It's just not enjoyable for me. I, as a Premier League fan, MLS is so slow. Why are you talking MLS when the Jazz are where they are? Because that's their flagship for now. I mean, the, 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 who knows what Ryan Smith, who point. owns part of that team, that's your flagship. But that's my point. That's why radio here sucks. With all due respect, it's not good. Yeah. There is not an independent, hey, here's the bird, whether you like it or not, we're talking about this type radio show. Like, that's what you have to have to have great media, to have a, a, a relationship. Because this is the thing. Teams, organizations, like, like look at, you know, the Knicks or the Lakers or any major team, right? Any major market team. They come to understand that the media is going to ask them accountability-type questions. You know that that's coming when you have a bad game. Russell Westbrook knows he's going to get grilled in the post-game interview. He knows that, Right. The difference is, is that those are paid. Those reporters are paid professionals who take their profession very seriously and ask good questions, reasonable questions. That's the thing. But when you have someone like, again, with all due respect to Andy, like when you have someone making assumptions about why Donovan's barking at their bench, like it just, it, it's not a good look. And why that goes to the ever, radio. Why would you like, ever make up an angle? Yeah. About Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And that's why I say when people listen to our show, like, I'm happy. I love the guy who comes in here. I and mean, we see it all the time. Even in the consistent listeners see this too. I love the new listener who comes in here and is like, you guys are idiots. You don't have sourcing. It's garbage. And then they listen for like five weeks and we get like four things right. And then they're like, oh, wow, you guys have sourcing. So Brandon Whitesides, as usual, yeah, comes perfect in example. this morning. Perfect says, example. Wait, so Andy Larson is critical and you don't like that? How is he critical? How see, is, this is he what, critical? See, this, is, this is what I'm what talking about. What are you about. talking about? No, no, seriously. Brandon, you said we don't like that Andy Larson's critical. He's not critical. He doesn't know what he, he 
He has no idea. The amazing thing is, I'm my guess is Andy Larson knows what's happening with the Jazz. He's around the team. He travels with the team. And you're guessing at what Donovan Mitchell is saying to the Dallas bench? That's How is that critical? He made up a story. He made it up. Fabricated it. Ada, it's it's not fucking real. Yeah. He made it up. Yeah. How is that at all critical? Yeah. How is that at all critical? Help me understand that. It's not fucking real. Yeah, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And he says, and then go on and drool over Tony Jones that gives zero insights. Tony Jones knows basketball twice as much as anybody else in this market. Yeah. Eric Walden to a certain extent, but you look at Tony Jones and read his Twitter, you read his articles at The Athletic, he is by far the most most in-depth thinker. And, Great writer. And writes with depth and levels. And He's literally the only reason I subscribe to The Athletic. That's like, it. That's it. Like, he's the guy on the Jazz. Yeah. The guy. So, I don't know what you're talking about, Andy Larson being critical. I've I Andy Larson... When Andy Larson criticizes the Jazz, it, it, it's like it's not really critic. Like anyway, I don't know what you, I Brandon. I don't know, I don't what, know what you're, you're looking at. To, I, I really don't. I really don't. Um, Jeremy Bolton uh, says Tanner Plummer. Don't forget Mitch Harper. He's probably the best BYU insider in the market. But who does but. he work for? Who does who does who does Mitch Harper work for? Love Mitch Harper. Yeah, I love Mitch Harper. I like Mitch Harper but a lot. He's not independent. He's not. He works for KSL. He ha- there are limits. Trust me. Uh, Eric Morales says, did he make up something about Donovan Mitchell on orders from on high trying to build a narrative on Mitchell? I don't think so. I really don't. No, I think honest to God, dude. Here's what I think happened. And, and, and again, you know, I wasn't there, but based on the reaction and based on how pissed off Donovan Mitchell was about it, my guess is is Andy Larson is sitting there watching this game in person and is watching what's happening and just made an assumption. That's what I think happened, and you can't do that. Instead, what you should do is you should have a notepad right here on your left or your right of your computer with TweetDeck up on your computer and you're watching this game. On your little notepad, what you should do is you should write Donovan Mitchell upset at Mavs bench at this point in the game while they're picking him up full court. Then in the post game, Andy, here's what you should do. Hey, Don. Hey, I saw that you were barking at the bench. Was that because they were picking you up half court or was that because of this? What was that about? And then get his answer and then put that into your story. It's not rocket science. It's really not hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not. It is what it is. I, I Anyway, I didn't mean to go off on some huge tangent. I just, the media here is in a very sad state. It needs desperately a third player to come in here, especially in sports, a third player to come in here and dominate, get after it, like get after it, do a really good morning or afternoon show and pay somebody to be critical of, of teams to to look critical, critically at their actions and their decisions. Right. Nobody in this town is going to criticize Ryan Smith. Nobody. That why like you're just well, unless, asking unless, to get fired. Listen, unless they're giving away scholarships, right? And then you know, and then there's a lot of criticism that goes around. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know. Come on, the Monty Radio Network. No, I'm good. Jane, uh, James Hasten, 
is a is that who that is? I don't know who <laughs> I don't that know. is. I'm just asking. Is a great jazz YouTuber. Don't know him. Uh, if you want truthful takes on BYU, listen to Give Them Hell Brigham podcast. My guy Garrett McClintock and Jeff Hansen. They don't miss words, sure. Other podcasts, please don't. Uh, other podcasts don't keep it real like you guys do. 100. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> here's the uh, Alex Caruso bomb of the day from Jeremy Bolton. Come on, Jeremy. Give me to something finish good. this discussion, the Jazz need an Alex Caruso type player. They need someone who will give you 2.3 points. 0.2 assists and 1.2 rebounds a night and 12 turnovers a night. I don't, think, I don't know in his, in his entire career if Alex Caruso has 12 cumulative Listen, turnovers. Listen, I just want to give Jeremy Bolton a lot of credit Story. for his consistency on branding. This guy, every single day, comes on the show and finds an angle, and I love it, dude. It's either Jaren, Jaren Hall during the football season yeah. or Alex Caruso during or the Or I NBA think he season. even worked in Jaren, mom's, uh, Jaren Hall's mom, too, a couple times. All right. Real quick, because now we're super short on time. Yeah. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are going to call Monday Night Football only because you hit subscribe on this YouTube channel. Right. So hit subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. By the way, if you're here, give us a thumbs up. We will give one person who likes and subscribes to the show today. And if you're on the podcast, just tweet a picture at me showing me you're listening to the podcast on Spotify, let's say, um, or Apple. I don't really care where. Um and we'll give you a T-shirt today. One one person who likes and subscribes uh, to the to our YouTube channel. Uh, my Twitter feed is the Monty Show. M O N T Y the Monty Show. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Monday Night Football, Bonanza Hire for ESPN, the Four Letter Death Star. Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson will likely now be the number one team at Fox. Right. NFL Sunday. Yeah. Um. Do you like Kevin Burkhart? Good move, bad move? No, I th I think he's good. I I think that I think that when Joe Buck and Troy were there, it mm -hmm. was the they had the right alignment. I think that Burkhart and Olsen are second second place to Joe Buck and Aikman, and I think that I think that it's the natural progression that should happen. I think Burkhart has definitely earned his his place as number one at the network once Buck leaves. Like I think that's totally reasonable, and I think the only question that that I'm trying to figure out is will we miss Joe Buck calling the Super Bowl or will we miss, you know, like will we miss Joe Buck on the World Series, you know, or like any of these major events that Fox has, you know, that's what I'll be really curious about. And I think what's interesting is that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are such a brand unto themselves that now they can even take a step back and just do Monday night football you know, and they're good to go, you know, and I think for Joe Buck, that's really going to lighten the load because I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that he'll at some point do other things for, you know, ESPN. I would guess that you'll see him on baseball at some point, but you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just does Monday night football and calls, yeah. calls it a day. I, I don't know, but I think it's going to be awesome. I think Monday night football has been suffering. I'm, I, I was never a fan of the, the, the booger mobile and you know, the, the Gruden on Monday night football was pretty good. I, I liked John Gruden before all the racist emails came out and, and everything like that. But you know, I just think that ESPN hasn't had that dynamic duo on Monday night football for, for many years. And it's, it's, it's very welcome to have that back again. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see exactly how all this plays out. Yeah. I, I I mean, Kirk Herbstreet doing uh, the Amazon Thursday night game, uh -huh. I think, is really interesting. And But where does, like, where does, because the reason I want to talk about this is because I think that you have these three teams. You've got you've got Joe and Troy Aikman, you've got Burkhart and Olsen, and then you've got Nance and Romo. I think Nance and Romo are the best. 
Yeah. I mean, I am not a huge Joe Buck fan. Um, I, I just am not. Like, I like Joe. I think he's a good – he does his job well, and then he has to talk about other things but sports, and then I hate him. Um, but I like Tony Romo and Jim Nance. If I had to listen to one team call a big game, I'd want Romo and Nance. Yeah. I don't know. Romo and Nance on the AFC Championship game never disappoints. No. And never disappoints. Yeah, so though, to me, that's the uh, that's the biggest – That's those those guys are the biggest. Yeah, players. I think I would probably – I agree. I'd probably go Romo, Nance – Buck and Aikman, and then Burkhart and Olsen. Okay, now are we going to um, are we going to dare I say rank the local play by play guys here in oh, Salt Lake? Because this will piss a bunch of people off. Go. All right, keep so, it real. Obviously, obviously, you know, as far as like play by play guys go locally, Len Casper when he was with the Cubs was amazing. Right. I think, you know. Crew can kipe on KMBR calling Giants yep. was the pinnacle. Oh, uh, Breen for the Knicks. Yeah, Mike Breen for the Knicks. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's fab. I, I mean, Michael K on the Yankees. Phenomenal. Very difficult to beat that. Vince Scully was a goat when he was in the game. I would agree with that. <clears throat> Locally, here in Salt Lake City. I'm going to say this, and this is probably going to oh, piss go. some people off. Wait, let me single you up yeah, so I don't get Please single me in. up. Yeah, don't get reeled <laughs> in on this because I'll be happy to get crucified for this. I'm not, I'm not real invested in the local personalities here as a 28-year-old male in this market. Not real invested in these people. I'm invested in the game, and that's about it. And I'm not trying to hate, but I'm just telling you the truth. I, haven't, I didn't grow up here. I, I don't, you know, I don't. I mean, Greg Rubel is great. Love the guy. Does his job at a really high level. I think he does a pretty, you know, decent job for them. But I'm not like, damn, like, they're on the radio. Boy, I better turn that thing on. You know, that's not whether it's whoa, whoa, Utah whoa, whoa, whoa. or BYU. But or, now that Holly Rose part of the. Dude, Holly, my God, dude. I mean, I, I, fucking know, a. I, I mean how do you, how not, do you listen, not listen, dude? How do you not listen? How do you not listen to Holly Rowe wax poetic about Rudy Gobert can as we a get, dominant offensive player? Can we get Greg Rubel in Big T doing jazz games? <laughs> that would be the dream team. Yeah. Because wow. I never thought I would miss Matt Harpering. Holly Rowe makes me miss Matt Harpering. Dude. It's bad. It is bad. Like man. I, I, I don't, and no doubt about it. I mean, I think Greg Rubel is the best play by play guy in the market. Yeah. Um, I don't, and I, I'm not trying to be a dick about this. I don't watch local jazz broadcasts because it's it's that bad. Well, the problem is, is next season we're gonna have to. That's the problem. I would guess. I would guess they'd get a TV deal worked out. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're wrong. Um, I don't know. I really hope I watching the game on mute. <laughs> Dude, it's brutal. It's brutal. And bowler, I could handle bowler. If it was just bowler and big T, I might be able to handle it, yeah. but I can't handle buckets. O'Neal. Like it's that bullshit that I'm like, dude, buckets. O'Neal knocks it down. You're calling. You've got to stop calling him buckets. O'Neal. Like, yeah, it's stuff like that, that I just can't handle. And I like Thurl because he is at least somewhat impartial. Yeah, he's reasonable. A little bit. Yeah. But Holly Rowe and Bowler and my wife won't even listen to David Locke on the radio. Oh, he's he's yeah, that's my rough, like it's he really uh, his yeah his uh, yeah I can't do it. What are the people saying about anybody saying anything about? Is there a locked on jazz comment yet? I'm sure there is. Kevin Harlan on Monday night football radio call with the drunk guy in San Francisco was the best. 
Uh, Caleb said, I totally agree. Local jazz broadcast is kind of boring. True. Uh, oh, come on. Bowler is okay. Bowler's okay on on his on his own. Yeah. But when you add in the, oh, uh, Bucket O'Neal, it's like, dude, shut up. It's he, Royce O'Neal is, is an average-ass player. It's not Buckets O'Neal. Stop it. Doc Emmerich was NHL and one of the best. Oh, I would agree. Yes, yeah, Doc Emmerich yes. for sure. Tim Roy on w- Warriors Radio is okay. Um, yeah, the problem is their TV product is terrible. I'm not even getting into fits and no. Uh, flying chickens in the barnyard, Josh Lovren says. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, Kevin Calabro. Absolutely. Kevin Calabro for sure. Oh, Monty, um, let's go poke bowler in the eye. Truth. Locke is the worst. Dude, I ain't eagle. Oh yeah. I ain't eagle on, for, the, on the, the nets. nets yeah. Come on. On the, he's great. Come on, dude. On the nets. Yeah. Okay, good. Glad we did that because now yeah. we're, we're out of time and we have to talk about Chick-fil-A trying to murder people. Dude, it's bad. Okay, so we talk a lot about fast food on this show because mainly because I'm fat. Right, um, right. Fat! But we don't eat a whole lot of fast food. Right. We don't. We do one cheat meal a week and generally it's usually something. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> that's that's great take. It's usually something. Generally, usually it's something. You know. Uh-huh. Um, but... <laughs> This story about the fast food wrapping at Cava, Arby's, and Chick-fil-A. Yes. They have forever chemicals in them, which means they're never going away. Like the chemicals in the food wrapping and the, the purpose of the chemical at Chick-fil-A and Arby's and others is to prevent the grease from dripping through the packaging. So they spray it with a chemical. Okay, well, on its face, it's like, well... You know, that's cool. It doesn't leak. (laughs) But then you find out that the chemical they're putting on the wrapper at Chick-fil-A, amongst others, destroys your immune system and basically stops your, your glands from operating correctly. And that once this chemical's in your body, it never leaves. That's fucking interesting, man. So not only does the French fries at Chick-fil-A suck, but it turns out the wrapper that they're wrapping them in, the paper and the paper and the wrapper and the cardboard and stuff. Yeah, and the cup. It's right. killing you. Yeah. No, it's not good. Not so good. I'm telling you, man, you got to eat fast casual. Yeah. You have got to eat fast casual. Yeah, but you're the same guy who said Chipotle sucked, and now you're it back does on suck. the train. It does suck. You know what? I'm losing my steam on Chipotle. We go to Chipotle for dinner last night. Uh-huh. I had just enough calories. I think I was, I think I had like 26 calories left yesterday after I ate Chipotle. Right. But we go to Chipotle and the burrito is just a flipping mess. Right. But we went on Sunday and got a burrito bowl and it was just bland trash. Like, eh. And to eat a burrito bowl, you got to have chips. So why not just get the fucking tortilla and get a burrito? Because they don't wrap it good. They don't wrap it well. Yeah. You know, um, Caleb says, every time I eat a Chick-fil-A, I get hungry 30 minutes later. Shake my head. Well, now, you know, it's because of the chemicals. Uh, even without the wrapper, fast food is going to kill you. Tanner says true. I'm, I, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. And Mrs. Monty and I share a mutual appreciation society for French fries and good French fries. Yes. But I can't even do that anymore. She made these stupid pot potatoes for lunch yesterday, uh-huh. which basically are pan-fried fingerling potatoes. That, that were motherfucker don't miss, They man. were amazing. So good. 
Way better than French fries. Okay, yeah. nothing's better than French fries. Yeah, come on. Don't be an idiot. Anyway, like I, I a good Five Guys French fry is tough to beat. A good Five Guys burger is tough to beat. It is. But now I'm going to look at the wrapper every flip in time, and I'm going to think yeah, to myself. Yeah, so does the foil have, you know, are we dying from the foil that the burger's wrapped in? Yeah, apparently it is that. And it's this paper that they try to exclude the grease from dripping through the paper. Yeah. Um, often called forever chemicals because they do not break down in the environment or the body. PFAS That's are used in food packaging to prevent grease and water from soaking through the wrapper. You're so fucked. Um, then the U S centers for disease control, um, calls exposure to per and polyfluorinol fuck off. It's killing you chemicals. <laughs> Because I can't pronounce those big words. View this the same as the flu. A public health concern citing studies that found the human-made uh, chemicals can harm the immune system, res reduce a person's resistance to infectious disease, and shut down their glandular systems. Oh, by the way, did I mention that we're in a pandemic and more people yeah. ate fast food during a pandemic? The coronavirus. So you ate these chemicals during a pandemic that shut down your immune system pimp not good dude no, not it is, good bro and i just want to say and i understand that i i am i am fat <laughs> but can i just eat some shitty food without dying just fat. one day in my life <laughs> just once <laughs> what like we went to chip the other day chip the cookie place oh the right. chip yeah uh-huh totally disappointed uh-huh we went to flake a couple of weeks ago now a week or so ago now. yeah Totally disappointing. Yeah, I think it's more and more it's becoming if you don't make it at your house, you're going to be disappointed in it because, you know, you have like the quality of the food you can make at your house is just so much higher. It's shocking to me that I'm not surprised. Fast food's terrible for you. Right. Okay, let's just be honest about it. Fast food's awful for you. But the wrapper now? Yeah, dude. That's kind of where I was at with it last night when I saw this story. Like, now we got to worry about the wrapper. So let's get this right. Artificial sweeteners killing you. Causing... This outbreak of colon cancer amongst millennials mm -hmm. just exploding because of artificial sweeteners and mainly in sodas and energy drinks. Okay, so now my colon's screwed. Um, now I'm getting these forever chemicals that are shutting down my immune system. Like, why do I ever leave the house? Yeah. You Honest to God. You shouldn't. And that's why I eat at Chipotle. Because generally speaking... You get whole ingredients, at least in Chipotle. Yep. And I don't know. Is their paper got PFAS in your butthole in it? I, I don't know. Because I'm eating it a lot, bro. I'm eating it a lot, too. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it, it. yeah, no, that's not good. It's not good. You can't trust anything anymore. Yes. Crumble is better than chip. Josh Leverin says, oh, no, nah, I can't do chip anymore. Got to hit up good old goodly cookie. Always never on to Cincinnati. Yeah. Chip was disappointing. The chip thing. Like the, the, and Mrs. Monty, to her credit, got a good spread of cookies. She got four cookies for us. Right. But they all were just like, nah, nah. okay. It didn't, it's not like Costco apple pie where you're like, damn, that damn. was good. Damn, bro. No, it wasn't good. Like, and even like crumble, some listeners sent me an anonymous box of crumble. I don't know when that was, probably six months ago now. Nah, nah they're okay. You know, and now that like I'm macroing and counting calories and by the way, you're counting calories now. How's that going? Um, I mean, it was fine. Like, I think it's 
I mean, it's hard to, I'm still trying to figure out what my, what the good number is, you know, like I'm in the low two thousands. So, you know, that's been that number yesterday. It was hard to get to that number. You know, I got to like two or like 19 and a half and I was like, damn dude, I'm like full and struggling to, to get, get up to that calorie number. But you know, I went for a mile and a half walk yesterday. We lifted like, you know, so just trying to find the groove with it. You know, if I can stay under 2,500 calories, generally I do pretty well. Yeah. Um, cause like yesterday I had 2,476 calories or something stupid like that. Yeah. But yesterday I also burned, um, on the day 4,860, 4,661 calories, 54 minutes. So weightlifting. And then I did a, uh, 20 minute walk on the, on the new Peloton tread. Yeah. How's that going for you? That thing is, I'm telling you the Peloton tread is far better than the gym treadmill you get. Why do you say? Well, cause walking it at 3.5 incline and 2.5, uh, speed is actually work on the Peloton tread. Right. At the gym, it's not really that much work. And my heart rate is actually right in the middle of the fat burning zone on, on the tread. Yeah. So yesterday, yesterday, my watch died and I had to charge it. And so I didn't get to track my gym workout, but I tracked my walk. And so without the gym workout, I was at 2,900 calories burned. So I'm right in that same range. I mean, I'm over a thousand calorie deficit. So I don't know. It's just about finding the groove, you know, figuring it out. Yeah. 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 You know, you can add workouts manually. Oh, yeah. I probably should do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We should go. Okay. Good. Good. Good talk. We should go. Really good talk. You know? We're out of time. Um, yeah, we did. By the way, somebody asked if we got the uh, if we got the letter from the bank yesterday we were waiting for. Wow, good listener. Yes, we did. Came in the email last night at like 1130. So I actually Typical. have the, the letter. It's like nervous time on the business. So anyway, as you were, make sure you hit subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. We're giving away a T-shirt today. Um, love you all. Peace out. Say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.